What's up, y'all? Y'all listening to Melanated Memos, a student-led podcast sponsored by the BCC here at Bria College, with the month of March being dedicated to Women's History Month. For our first episode, we have decided we are going to reclaim it, embrace our melanin, and our first episode will be focused on Black Women's History Month. We're going to talk about black women who inspire us and the importance and the roles that they have played throughout history, today, and the future. My name is Tori. Yeah, it's JoJo. I'm Camille. I'm Ryan. I'm Kim. I'm Malaya. And this is Melanated Memos. Hey, what's good with it, (laughs) y'all? Check us out on social media. On Instagram, melanated underscore memos. Yeah. So to start off with, um, the two black women that um, inspire me um, would be um, Claudia Jones and, um, gosh, why am I blanking? So <laughs> <laughs> um, Claudia Jones and Elaine Brown. Um, reason why I picked those two is because I'm. Um, they've pushed for the liberation of not only just black women, but just, you know, black folks and everyone else. Um, Cecilia Lane Brown, um, she was um, she was the chairwoman for the Black Panther Party, whatever union um, was, had to basically Cuba uh, by invasion charges. Um, and during that time period, uh, the Black Panther Party was about 70% women, no, 60% um, women in terms of um, party leadership. And the fact that like she kept the party going, and the fact that her analysis from a Marxist-Leninist standpoint was just spot on, and to finish right down to the core, and her like controlling of a lot of like the party's um, survival programs, which is outstanding. And uh, Claudia Jones, just from a international standpoint. Um, she was like a young member of the um, Communist Party, uh, the Communist Party in the U.S. before she got kicked out into Britain, and she's a Trinidadian um, um, writer and editor, and um, they come from just a wider tradition of the Black like radical tradition, and it continues to me in terms of organizing them for educational work. So yeah, so my two um, women that inspired me. My two women that inspire me is Angela Davis and Asada Shakur. I'd say that they inspired me because of all that they had to go through at the time, all the adversity they had against them. Um, and also they beat, well, Angela Davis also beat an all-white jury. So I've always looked to them to gain courage and strength when I felt like I didn't have it. Yes. Uh, for my two women that inspire me, um, my two women are... Queen Latifah and uh, Ziona, Zerona Clayton. Uh, both women have been entertainment giants and they've pretty much came from home beginnings to pretty much uh, make a name for themselves and also just make sure that they use their fame and their fortune um, and their exposure to really um, amplify their blackness and also advocate for black lives everywhere. Um, both of them have given a lot to the black community and uh, hoping to help others. So Zerona made sure that she founded the Trumpet Foundation, um, the awards, the Trumpet Awards um, that just celebrates black 
of excellence throughout the world, um, inventions, uh, movies, stuff like that. And then Queen Latifah, she used her blackness in her songs and her music to kind of um, amplify and empower black women all over the world um, with her voice and stuff like that. And so I really love how they used, they started from home beginnings, but then they used um, their hard work to make things for themselves. And also they never forgot to give back to their community in any way possible. Um, yeah, my two black women um, that I adore are Ida B. Wells and Audre Lorde. I adore um, Audre Lorde because she was a one of the first self-proclaimed black feminists. And she has this quote that I really like, and it includes that uh, she spoke for those that were afraid to speak for themselves. And she believed that a lot of people thought that fear protected them, but and silence protected them, but that wasn't the case at all. And I love I love that because being a black feminist and lesbian as she was, it kind of like speaks to me. Um, Ida B. Wells was one of the first black women to be included within sociological journals. Even though she wasn't a sociologist, she um, gave a lot to sociology, such as racial and gender issues and inequalities. And she also started the first black kindergarten. And um, with that being said, we all know that kindergarten is a pivotal moment in um, everyone's lives. That's where you learn how to start to communicate with others and you learn your colors and shapes and all other stuff. So for her to be the first to start the black kindergarten it's like, wow, she was the catalyst for so much and the reason a lot of us are here today. So, To kind of jump um, on what Kim was saying, my two very, there's so many, but um, our most inspirational to me, Black women, are Lizzo. Lizzo, um, that's her performing name. And, um, oh my God, of Roxanne Gay. Um, and so those two, they're both very um, out in the way that they the way they speak and their their music and what they do, they're very open. Roxane Gay, she wrote one of my favorite books, Bad Feminist. And I always, I'm really interested in feminism. I'm a feminist. And so with Roxane Gay, she writes, um, and she also has this edited book called Dispatches of Rape Culture. So she talks about her being sexually assaulted um, in a very upfront and outweigh. And I think that's really important, especially as a Black woman, to put yourself out there. And she also talks about um, having an eating disorder and going through that. So a lot of her books touch on really tough subjects. And those things are really hard to do just as a person in general, but as a Black woman and knowing um, what you are going to face. With Lizzo, I really love her music. And one of the things I remember in high school that I really appreciated about her is, and even just her music videos were very inclusive. Um, she was very body positive. And when I mean that, I mean that there were diverse body shapes, not just necessarily what you would consider bigger women or men or whoever, um, but like smaller frames, quote unquote, right? So I really, really, that was really inspirational to me. And and I just love her music. And she's also a very out um, queer ally. And I think that it's important to have um, queer um, artists, Black artists out, but also have allies because we need to show our support. So I just, those are the Black women that I love. There's so many more. Okay, for my two women that inspired me, 
are Tamika Mallory and Simone Biles. Tamika, because literally all of her work as an activist and fighting for women's rights and the rights of different cultures and things like that. And I just admire her determination, her strength and her outgoingness. I know I myself probably would not be brave enough to stand up in front of people and deliver the types of powerful and moving speeches that she does. I'm not really a public speaker, but it also, her work also helps me realize like, you know, there's so much more work that goes on behind the scenes. And so you don't have to always be at the forefront. There's a lot of things that you can do in small ways that can contribute as well. And for me, Simone Biles, because she doesn't allow her traumas and other people to place limitations on her, honestly. She's just herself and, you know, she admits like, you know, I'm doing this for me. I don't really have to stick to their rules. I'm going to be the best that I can be. And it's really about not allowing others to limit you. And also there's a quote by her that I really like where she said, I'd rather regret the risk that didn't work out than the chances I didn't take at all. Because honestly, you know, a lot of times people are stuck living in fear of trying new things and she doesn't allow that to. And, you know, also it reflects on how, you know, she takes failures and things like that as further motivation to learn, work hard and do better the next time. So, yeah, like the reason why, like, we put emphasis on um, black women and why black women are important is that black women are the world. Black women are always the. <laughs> Say it again. Say it louder for the people in the back. Like, um, they're really like the catalyst and the um, like opus of like the giant of the world, and always um, speaking out for everybody, but always like the most unprotected. And it's important to like highlight black women, not just for like academic works, or artistic works, or anything like that. So like. As a collective, like once we protect the black women, you pretty much protect all of us. And oftentimes, even like in organizing spaces or wherever may have you, like black women are always on the front lines. They're always like within the trenches, always. And even the dynamics and all the like ideologies are placed, especially like in the black radical tradition, has always been spearheaded by black women and. Even when we talk about space station violence and kind of that sort of thing, black women are always, um, it's always like under the nose or always like under this sense of, um, how do you explain? Like, um, they're always under in terms of like being the most brutalized and things like that. And, yes. but at the same time, like, they're the ones out there, they're the ones playing in the work. They're always like, within um, the trenches, not only just in organizing, but also like in every like industry that you can think of. So emphasis on black women has always been about serving like the ones that are always like, they're pretty much like the glue, not only just the black media, but the glue to the world. So that's why I think it's important to highlight black women as well. I agree with that. and. Since it's on the topic of that, let's talk about feminism. Mm -hmm. Because feminism has become so whitewashed. That's why I that's why I respect that's why I respect black feminists. Like especially black female woman feminists. Because that takes a lot of courage to be out here sitting on the front lines, fighting for women. And also the black woman is the most disrespected woman, person in the US. Yeah. So it's like if you can be a black feminist 
in the U.S. and still stand your ground and still not care what anybody thinks of you and and overcome adversity. Because like when you, when I think about feminism, before I came to college, it was like, okay, yeah, we should have uh, free menstrual items. Yes, we should. We should have. We should be able to grow body hair. We should be able to not wear a bra, free the nipple. But like, <laughs> but like, yeah, that's all cool and dandy. But like, black female. Like when we're feminists, we're like, no, like you're gonna accept me. You're not gonna silence me. You're gonna hear my voice. You're gonna hear what I have to say. It's more than just the glass ceiling, because even the glass ceiling is whitewashed. Yes. Like, so there's so many topics we can talk about with like black women. And for the black woman to be so strong systemically and symbolically, it's like when we have to deal with society, it's like, oh my God, like like why? our own men disrespecting us? Why are our own, like women and, mm. and women are disrespecting us, black women, white women, whatever, you know, I, I don't want to sound offensive saying whatever, but you know, it's just crazy to think about, like we're so strong yet put down so much. Yes, I definitely can agree with that because a lot of times as black women, we feel like we have to be super women and we have to do this and do that. Mm. And, you know, it literally reminds me of Alicia Keys song, Superwoman, mm -hmm. because we really do feel like we have to do that no matter when we're tired and everything. And I feel like that mm -hmm. even starts when we're younger, because there were literally times where, you know, growing up, I was sick. My sibling was sick. I don't have to go to work. You know, me and the sixth sibling are staying home and I'm the one taking care of them, you know, literally scooting down the steps one by one to get them what they need, even though I'm sick as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we have to realize we can have our bad days and we need to give ourselves mm -hmm. grace because we don't always have to be superwoman. We can't fix every issue. And it's not our responsibility to fix every issue. Yeah. And I feel like that also reflects sometimes in our relationships and how we have to fix and nurture this man. But really, that's not our job. They have to want that for themselves. You can't help someone who does not want to be helped. I just, saw, a, I just saw a post <laughs> on Facebook and it was like, I shared it too, because I'm petty. And it was like, um, <laughs> It's not the black woman's role to help to be the safe space for black men. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. black men created the space or the setting for to be emotional, to be weak. So why is the woman's job to be like, oh, come here, baby. Like, talk to me about it. Mm -hmm. No, but it's, it should be black men. Like, have safe, black men should have these safe spaces for, you know, for the chance to be, <laughs> for the chance to be, you know, seen and heard and to cry yeah. and. You know, but no, gotta yeah. give it to black women. Like always be there on top of on top of that care for my kids too. Yes. And make sure they're taken mm -hmm. care of. Like all this work for what? <laughs> that literally reminds me of reading because I'm taking um a women's and gender studies class. It's an introduction class. And we literally in one of our books, we were looking at black feminism and just feminism in general. And it was saying how like black feminists couldn't align themselves with the white women because the issues that they were facing weren't the same. And, you know, they didn't want to accept the racial part of them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, our battles are not the same. Like, yes, we have trials because we are both women, but our race also plays a role into it. And so I'm not gonna alienate my brothers mm -hmm. because we have more in common and more struggles that we can connect on. 
than simply our sex, which is a social construct. Well, mm-hmm. gender is specifically. Gender, yeah, gender. yeah, that's just what all of y'all saying, just like thinking about things last month and this month. During Black History Month, I've been thinking about womenhood in the Black community and just what JJ and Kim first started talking about, about oppression and how Black women are oppressed. The way in which we, like the sexualization of female body, Black women bodies, mm-hmm. how there's, even in social media, I'm an old person, so I'm not old, but I'm like an old lady, so I don't <laughs> even know what's going on but um people want to look like a black woman or or even just a black person but they don't want the things that go on associated with that and it's just the sexualization and the way in which we treat like black bodies especially female bodies of like this constant exotic sizing and this happens in other areas of the world but especially in America where we have this notion of like this is a free this is a free democracy and everything is like better than other countries there's so many problems everywhere but especially in America and the way we um, talk about just race and everything but one of the other things I think that just Kim brought up that even within like black communities between females and like what we're supposed to um and and relationships there's a book um really by tony morrison sula that i reread last month and i love the love that book that's my favorite one of my favorite books and that book really it's fiction book but it discusses um about the relationships between black women and black men and their relationship with their partners and all these different things and one of the things that happens is this kind of um I think sometimes that in female relationships, but especially um, with other black women, is this sense of sometimes and not always you can have sisterhood and camaraderie, um, but this kind of rivalry and also judgment that sometimes I see in terms of like, you're not doing this. Oh, why can't you keep a man? You don't want a man da, 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 you know, stuff like that. And some of those things are so internalized, like a lot of things, like so many things. Um, so I think that's something that's really important that we need to acknowledge, like how do we talk about black female bodies and white female bodies or just other people's bodies? And it's very like, oh, look at that, look at that black girl, she's wearing this, that, that, that. But if a white person was wearing the same thing, um, what is that, where's the relationship with that? So I think that's really, really important. Um, but even what, um, what were you saying to her? You were just saying something, I forgot. But anyway, there's just so much to talk about within there. What happened? Oh, no. I think, I know I said something about how um, black women, yeah. are you talking about the superwoman though, or how like we, superwoman, like, yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's something for me that I grew up really, I mean, my dad was in the picture, but he wasn't a good dad. And I grew up with two, I mean, it's kind of sorry, actually. It's kind of funny because when I think about my dad, quote unquote, I think about my grandmother. She's a, she's a, you know, my, my mom's side of the family is, um, yeah, no, but I was gonna see something growing up. I've I've felt, especially being a woman, but especially a black person, like I don't want to ever seen as be seen as emotional or put in a state of vulnerability because I feel like this extra layer of like I have to, um, you know, I have to be strong for not just like myself but the people around me. Where it's just like you have to find your inner strength, and it's really difficult. And something quickly I want to know: being a superwoman is. I remember I asked my mom, and I really wanted to understand what it meant to be black. And you just—it's a long journey. It's not just like you find it, right? Mm-hmm. And I asked her, you know, what does it mean to be black? And she said to be strong. And I was like, oh, I don't like that answer. But now that I'm older, I understand that. <laughs> but I also understand that that is incredibly hard like i rarely saw i i see my grandma cry three times 
in my mm. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's gone through a lot. And mm-hmm. like Tori was just saying, my uh, she took care of her whole family. She she was the oldest. So yeah. Literally sorry to interrupt. I just want no, to say no, this real good. quick because I was like, I literally make my own journal and something that I do within my journal is each week I put a quote down. So I was kind of like just flipping through. And literally one of my quotes by Jada Pekin Smith that I mm. found is when I'm tired, I rest. I say I can't be superwoman today. And I feel like that's something that mm. we just really need to realize. Because I'm just thinking about earlier this week, literally, I was just saying how I have a lot on my plate. And then like 10 minutes later, I said, I don't think I'm doing enough. I feel like there's more I can do. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's a brave yeah. Especially on campus, like I, it took me into my senior year. Mind you, it took me five and a half years to get a degree. But it took me to my senior year to realize it was all freaking K to be vulnerable my, with my professors. Mm, because, yes. because like I was like, no, I'm I'm not weak. I'm not this. I'm not that. Like I'm not about to cry in front of you. So why you feel like you broke me? And I'm like, right. Kim, calm down. Like it's okay. You're in college. Yes. Like I read about all these statistics all the time. Just like, oh yeah, like these students go through this. These students go through that. Well, what if you're one of those students, Kim? But no, it can never be me because I'm studying them. That's a lie. Mm. So it's like, yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. Like it took me to this year, this semester to be like, hey, I, a pandemic to realize, hey, a panorama <laughs> to realize, <laughs> to realize I cannot do everything. Like I have to cry. I have to take mental health days. Yes. And you brought up something in, not real, to touch on. Um, about because like this one girl told me like I was like we were having a discussion about sexuality and mm-hmm. I was like yeah I'm a lesbian um yeah um she was like oh my god I don't see how you could be she was black she was like I don't see how you could be a lesbian she was like I need a man's touch I was like Ooh, I was and like that's why you're heterosexual exactly and I'm a lesbian like, 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 like patriarchy and and, oh and, and submissiveness oh. is so deeply rooted. Like you don't need a man to yes. I'm not just saying it because I'm a lesbian. I'm just saying it because you came in this world alone. Yeah. Like, also though, mm. with the patriarchy thing, I think we need to learn how to respect people who don't want to live that road, but mm-hmm. also don't look down. Because mm-hmm. I know some feminists will look down on other women mm-hmm. who yeah. want that role. Mm-hmm. Baby, sure. just because I want to cook and clean for my man, that is okay, but mm-hmm. that don't mean oh, I'm just submissive. That doesn't yeah. mean there's something wrong and I'm against women's rights. Like, mm-hmm. no, we all have our own different views. Yeah. Allow people to express themselves how they do. Don't worry about it. How somebody else is expressing themselves, if it is not physically harming you, then why are you so pressed and concerned about it? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like, one thing that I want to kind of circle back to is, like, the like the origins of, like, at least um, the fans movement. It's like a white bourgeois um, like mm-hmm. feminist movement that like completely like dismissed um like needs yeah. of like um black women in particular so like that's why you see the emergence of black feminists and the Kapai um river collective like audrey lord and barbara smith and um all that and even that like emerges to like the black womanist um movement as well and like there's a book that i've read last year it was on they were her property and it it was a reference to like all the white women during you know colonial america that like um owned slaves and through like this misses like narrative of like this feminist movement as like this very inclusive and um precious like white movement that's like fuck the white man and all that shit but like it's 
like it's definitely a book that I feel like everyone should read and understand that yeah like why when we're just as complicit in slavery if not um if not more entrenched um than some like like their husband or like their male um, counterparts so like it's like so like to me I think it's like important to highlight that because um you see a lot of like um liberal feminists especially like white liberal feminists that um try to dismiss like the actual needs of black women and also like one thing that we didn't really touch on is like kind of like turfs like trans exclusionary um yes just, yeah, about very radical feminists so oh which is like nah like trans women are women that's one thing that we gotta get that clear and <laughs> i i think like it's just wild to even um kind of dismiss that just because of like basic and anatomical body parts like classifying like sex and gender just by you know um body parts because like not all women can get pregnant not all women like have like bruises and that sort of thing so like some women don't want to get pregnant some women don't want to have kids baby normalize that some people don't want kids and that's okay i'm selfish like i i'm selfish i don't want to I'm good. Like, uh-uh. Child, look, not every, not everybody wants kids. And for those who do, y'all continuing to harp on it, like, oh, why ain't you had kids yet? Or why you gonna give me some grandbabies? Well, you don't know. One, if I have fertility issues, that could mm. be really hurtful to hear because you know sometimes because of the importance of having kids and creating a family by society can really make people feel like they're less of a woman and they not baby not everybody wants is you gonna help me with this little bill because i mean i know we getting stimulus oh, checks yeah. for them yeah, but baby stimmy stimmy ain't gonna last all day uh, stimmy stimmy, stimmy gonna be stimmy, like give me give me the money <laughs> i mean just like with oh so many stuff to touch on but i mean like that's very very true and we're talking about trans visibility and i'm really i'm really 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 into intersexual feminism and that's the only way like there are so many i lived in vermont and when i'm from austin and that's kind of liberal but when i went to austin uh, vermont <laughs> and i was like oh then they're like oh we're liberal but we're gonna touch your hair like what oh we, we're not we don't know what this hair type is oh you're doing this oh we can't tell you uh the difference between you if you have wigs on if you're not you're someone else you're totally different just things like that that i like the hair today kim <laughs> that stereotypical <laughs> teacher every time you can't yeah. put a new hair it style. happened at Berea. Yeah. I, I, I ain't gonna call that. Yeah, the white women too. Though. Yep. Yeah, like, I like the hair. You be like, hmm. oh, did you do that yourself? Is it all yours? Maybe if I bought it, it's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like just think about the hypocrisy of that. Would you, if someone, if a white woman, especially specifically, changed your hair, would you be like, oh, why don't you change your? I mean, you could say, oh, you have a nice hairstyle, but it wouldn't be like you would point it out in such a way. So, like, to think about in the ways of which like we talk about each other and stereotypes and just um, double standards, I think it's like really, really, really important. Um, but I was gonna say something else. You said um, something about intersectionality. Yes, yes. intersectionality is That's really, important. really important. Yeah, thank you, Kim, for reminding me. Um, and so, Black yeah, we, yeah, we have to, <laughs> We have to, like, we <laughs> we have to include. Have to. Yes, yes because yes. let's just be real. We definitely do, like, oh, well, you black, but you're homosexual, so we don't want you a part of us. Or mm -hmm. the whole thing with how much the one drop rule, that one is something yeah. included in it as well. Because it's yes. like, 
oh, you're too white for us, and but oh, you're too black for us. So where is y'all supposed to go? Like y'all in the no man's land. And I think we need to be more open about allowing people to get in touch with our culture because it's like they sometimes they want to learn, but again, there's a respectful way to learn depending on it. So it's a touchy area. <laughs> I heard somebody told me that they code switch and said it gracefully. Like, I code switch when I'm at Berea. And they were also somebody who is passing as not biracial. They are passing as like white. And they were like, Yeah, I code switch. And I was like, And you proud to say that? Like, like you, you, you. Like, definitely, I have code switch, but I think it's more so being with, like, a military. I don't even think that what I was doing was code switching because mm. it was literally, like, I'm a military child. I'm moving around. So, it's like, I'm picking up this new slang, really, is what it is. It's expanding my vocabulary. It wasn't done with the intent to be like, oh, well, I'm writing like this. No, baby, it's just, oh, that's y'all slang? Oh, let me learn it. What y'all saying? Oh, okay. But, like, we shouldn't have to code switch. And I think that's where intersectional- intersectionality comes in mm. to play because... I struggle understanding it. So I was just like, okay, well, since we're on this topic, like right now, we're like, okay, well, isn't co-switching a form of intersectionality? <laughs> but like with intersectionality, it's just like, isn't co-switching a part of that? But like, it's not because you're taken away from who you actually are. Yes. So mm-hmm. when when the person told me, like, uh, this person told me, oh yeah, I co-switch, I was like, um, uh, that's, that's, that's not cool. Especially if you do it when you're at Berea. And it's just like we pride mm-hmm. ourselves of being co-educational, intersectionality, diversity. And I'm just like, hmm, we are, are we all though? Made of one blood. Are we? <laughs> and, and that sounds <laughs> real, like that. real all lives matter to me. It, well, really, all, it, it really does. Is. It's like all, all blood, one race. I'm just like, hmm. And I mean, let's. I mean, we all do know that like we all started and we came from women, mm-hmm. particularly black women, because we're the only ones who can make people of so many different nationalities and everything like that. But at the same time, they still have this whole one drop rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make that make sense mm-hmm. to me. Nah, like- and I ain't talking crap about y'all Berea slogans. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me just put that out there. Because I don't, I, yeah, let make that known. I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, if we're going to talk about it, let's be about it. Because we got a lot of racial issues on this campus yeah. need to be talked about. And we don't talk about them. But we silence a group of people that are marginalized to avoid these heavy conversations. But we could talk about politics and the president because, oh, that's a safe space. And let, let me stop. Honestly, I know Fox News did an article on us about that whole talk about comparing Trump, um, Trumpism and kind of like the terrorism and thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in my class, we literally sat there and we looked at some of the comments and was like, that's so far off base. And honestly, I just want to go to it because I want to see Definitely. like the different things that happen. <laughs> And that is talked about because mm. it's like, you know, there are like a lot of people are like, oh, but they talk about being so diverse and that's not fair. And they like, I think you guys are confusing terrorists with patriotism and everything like that. What? But it just makes me think like, exactly. Like, no, literally, that's the biggest thing, which really gets me because especially when it comes to like our environment and poisoning lower in like impoverished communities, minority communities, when we do it to ourselves, it's no issue. Y'all don't even give media coverage over it because y'all know we would probably be mad about it or whatever. But then let another country come in and try and do something to us. It's the whole issue mm-hmm. and everything else. So it's like, y'all can't pick and choose. If y'all gonna literally say this is terrorism, this is that, y'all not really basing what's terrorism off of the true definition. Y'all are basing it off of race. You know, this sound like Experience what happens in the house stays in the house. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> Bro, black moms are good. Don't be telling nobody 
my business, but you, uh, you get in trouble. <laughs> Literally. It's the U.S. Hearing <laughs> them later at night. Talking, yeah, girl, she got in trouble because she was doing this, that, and the third. But I thought you said, what happened in our house? Stay in our house and don't tell nobody our business. I know, right? That's my business. Stop. So when I see that meme talking about some, would you tell your mama business for X amount of money? I'm like, yeah, she tell mine for free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so, oh, God. I honestly, I'm surprised when I got here in terms of all this racial things because I did not, they did not tell me they really glossed over yeah. it. And that's <laughs> not good. You does not have your face soon. And um, what? Give me. Uh, uh, that really is. Yeah. But what I was going to say is so interesting, Kim, because when I realized that I, yeah, I don't know, like I, as someone who's by, it sounds like oh, I'm biracial, but I don't mean that in a way. I think sometimes when people say that, it comes off as like, I'm not proud being black or mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. And I think that's why sometimes it can get into murky water. But I um, I definitely understand like the one drop rule and also just what we were talking about being dismissed within our own community and judgments. Like definitely, that's why it's been a really interesting journey being here because growing up, I was always told like, oh, you're white, you're not black enough. You're not, you know, you shouldn't talk with us. But I was going to say a little story that I think well, I wonder what you think about this. I don't know if this is what we're supposed to talk about, but I think it's interesting. I remember um, I was in I was in the computer lab at my last college, and I was walking. There was a black students, and they were like the president of the the only living in color organization. It was only one, and I would say there's like 25 student people of color on the campus out of 200 students. So that was great. But anyway, so okay. I saw them, and they were black, and I said, um, "What did I? Oh, I said I was said." bye y'all bye and i turned to my white friend and i wasn't doing it consciously her name was that's not her name isn't jen jen but i turned to her and said are you ready to go jen jen and <laughs> i did not and then i realized no, no. <laughs> and then i realized in that moment i was like what was that because oh, my friend said i know yes. i was like and i was just like what's going on like what's going on and I, so what did you say no, I was when you finished. Yeah, no, no, no. And then I realized I went back in the door. I was talking to my friend. I was like, oh, my God, I do this thing. And I didn't know I did it. And then my friend, she was Asian. She came down. This is going to sound bad, but I grew up around a lot of Asian people. Oh, God, it sounds so bad. But I, I saw her and I was like, oh, Angie, oh, my gosh. Like, can you believe that I do this? And when I talked to, oh, my God, I'm going to get exposed. I'm going to cancel. Literally. <laughs> but when I talked to my Asian friends, I like, a long game I was like mm, uh, uh, like oh you know and I'm just like was raised around that and so I was just thinking about code switching like I wasn't doing it consciously but like what what to do and I told my one of my black friends she's black and she was and her name star and she was like you know you shouldn't don't you don't feel like you have to you know talk to other people the certain way just talk to, talk like your regular self when I talk to myself I sound like like I talk like this and that's how I talk to myself so I sound like a completely different person and my other friend she was like well you know we're all she's from Chicago and she grew up in a primarily white environment she's black and she studied Asian studies too and she was like you know we've all been whitewashed and we've um and so and I understand why you talk like that and why that happens and I do it too unconsciously and so I was like I don't know what I'm supposed to think (laughs) the whole situation it's just like Mm. you can't run from it and like you made a, a comment, you were like, you were surprised that like <laughs> you got debris and it was like that. I was too. Then like I started taking some sociology course and I was just like, but at the end of the day, mm. this campus is majority white. Yeah. So PWI. Yeah. So it's like, and and we can't assume 
that a lot of them come from areas where it was diverse. So like, of course, uh, some of them will have those same views, but then gradually over time, they change those views the more they are at Berea. Yeah. And like, I hate that we, we get so whitewashed because at one point when in high school, I was the same way. Like, I, even though I went to a predominantly black school, I used to go to these camps, right? Mm-hmm. I used to go to these camps and these like volunteer organizations. And it was, a, and, they, and it was like, it was like a mini Berea because like, they were like, um, it was, they were like, pay for like the poor kids to go oh, and yeah. then like you meet without you know what I'm talking about yeah. you serve mm-hmm. you like in any town yeah you're from Birmingham you know what I'm talking about and they and then like you go to school with these kids from like Mount Brook which is a predominantly white rich area mm-hmm. and Hoover and stuff like that and they come and talk to you about like oh yeah like my mom just got me a BMW I'm oh, like my God, my I'm school. like I drove a 2004 Escort here. Anyway, right. <laughs> so it's just baby. The fact that I drove here says a lot because I mm-hmm. could have caught a ride with somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I don't think we can run from code switching. I don't think, but I think we need to get to a point where we shouldn't have to code switch to be accepted. Because I get yeah. tired of repeating myself. I get tired of like people asking me, "What did you say? You talk so fast." Okay, stop oh. that. Yes, yeah. like I do talk Baby, fast. No, and I can't I no. what I say is I'm not talking fast. You listening slow. Oh. <laughs> like people say, oh, you talk too fast. You do this, you do that. And he's like, can you slow down? I'm like, no, I can't. Like, this is how I talk. This is how I grew up. This is how, this is my dialect. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a pain. Mm-hmm. I think we just, like, again, we can't, it's just, again, like you said, you didn't, Malaya, like, as you were saying, how you didn't even realize that that was something we do. I think that's the issue, that it's become, like, something we felt like we have to do, that we don't even think about it, and so I think it's not negative that you did it, because, again, like, you didn't realize, but I think we need to more so focus on the positive, like, oh, you realize you did this, and that's where you can kind of start to work with, like, trying to do it less and everything, but again, I think people need to realize the difference between code switching and also knowing who your audience is mm-hmm. because we can use our vernacular and our slang and everything we want to when we hang out with our friends, but it is not code switching. So go into a business meeting and be giving a proposal mm-hmm. and using correct terminology and everything. That's not code switching. So I think that's also mm-hmm. an issue because some people see somebody using proper English and everything as code switching. And that's not all the case. Like literally my brother, when I was younger, you know, I didn't grow up around him a lot because we have different parents and everything like that. And he asked me when I was little, he was like, oh, how do you talk so proper? Like, how did you get to talk so proper? Because, you know, he's living in Mississippi. It's like, and it's like when I go visit, yeah, I have my country accent from being there and everything and having their slang and everything like that. But he really asked me like the first few days I was there, he was like, oh, how did you get to talk so proper? He was like, oh, you must go to school with a bunch of white rich people and mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, no, this is just how I talk. And so that was like really my first experience with realizing like somebody could take just my regular speaking to be something that is not just because I don't use the slang or I don't have the accent that they have. And so I think we just really need to make that distinction between code switching and knowing who your audience is and talking for that audience when it comes to certain settings. And I'd also say, like, when Malaya was talking about how she noticed that she was enunciating more when she was talking to her Asian friend, I've noticed, like, I mean, not because I'm Asian or anything, but, like, (laughs) as a Black woman, when some Black men on this campus talk to me, they'll, like, always tell jokes or, like, you know, make light of what I'm saying, you know, Mm -hmm. or, like, they won't they won't listen to what I have to say. They always try to joke with me or call me cute names, and that pisses me off because it's, like, 
I'm not like this is a serious conversation. Why are you telling jokes? Like, you know? And then there'll be other people, there'll be other people like they'll be our own people and they get in these uh they get in these like higher up positions and they switch up totally, <laughs> you know? And so I'm just saying that I've noticed that too, like black men will be tone policing or like talking over me. It'll be black women doing it, like talking over me or tone policing or trying to rush what I'm trying to say. And then those whole jokes like they're my friend. Man explaining. Man explaining. Man explaining gets me. Because uh, baby, no, I said what I said. <laughs> I'm so sorry you had that experience, Camila. And that must that would be really frustrating. What I was gonna say to to Kim, I mean, this is for everyone. If that's so how the way someone talks, you shouldn't make fun of that, no matter what it is. You know, if you can't understand someone, maybe you should just try to listen more or you can ask one. But don't ask in a patronizing way because <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, like, if I'm being honest, like, the idea of, like, proper English is kind of BS only because, mm. like, if you go to fucking Britain, like, <laughs> they'll, they're, they're, like, say, like, the way, you know, American English is, is not, like, quote, quote, proper English. There's no such yeah, thing yeah. as that, like, um, like, vernacular is always depending on region. And huh. oftentimes, like, when people, like, try to speak in, like, an academic sort of manner, like, it's deemed as, you know like proper English or uh, something that's like veneer if you're going into a professional setting. But like the way, you know, like a black person talks like in Chicago or Indianapolis or in the Midwest, it's going to be totally different than something from the West. They're both valid. It's just that it's just, it's a little different. You just have to like pay attention more and try to be more understanding and all that. And it's very important to also have another point of like, sometimes we just have to get, gatekeep some things when it comes to you know us as like um black folks whether like oh, you're no. here in the it's not, we're not allowed to do that that's yeah but bro, like <laughs> that's wrong <laughs> well, god forbid we have one one thing it's just like mm, nope yeah it's like we should Give like start gate for real like we should like start gatekeeping shit mm-hmm. because like there's no like to me like as much as like what's scared quote quote black culture whatever is like here in america's or in the caribbean or in the continent or whatever like we don't get a chance to like actually like hold like some of our like sacred like values or uh, sacred traditions and all that stuff. It always has to be like acceptable to the Western world. And I think like like other cultures are um, in some sense can like have that sense of gatekeeping and all that. But when it comes to you know either like Black Americans or like fellow Africans or Africans throughout the, the domestically here in the states or elsewhere, somehow like we just have to like. Share. Uh, share yeah share everything mm, mm. like to white folks in order to get some more understanding i'm like what like to me that's so whack to me like as much as like we don't need to be coddling to white folks uh, in terms of like in the sense of who we are like like just from a basic humanity standpoint like, y'all should like understand like us but you don't have to like be constantly atrocious in our space especially when our space is that in a private sacred manner mm-hmm. but yeah Brian, you want... yeah um and so just back to the language thing like i've learned you know, so I've, years ago i watched this video um and it was talking about how english-speaking people sound to people from other places where english not their first language and the video was just basically like a bunch of gibberish but it was mixed in with like different words like um and watching that video it just made me realize that at some point you have to understand that everyone's not going to understand you, but it's not your job to make sure that you're understood at any point. They have to make the effort on their end to make sure they understand what you're saying. Um, and it's one of those things where um, 
and just kind of bring the topic back to black women, like it's one of those things where people have to make that conscious effort to understand black women from their perspective. And it's not a black woman's job to make people feel safe or make people feel like, uh, or make people understand where they're coming from in their own, in their own spaces. Like they have, they occupy these spaces, they occupy these issues in their own way. And if you can't understand that, then you have to make that extra effort to get to know them and like understand like what that is and stuff like that. And it's something that I had to learn even like uh, with mansplaining because I, you know, I've caught myself doing it many times before when I was young and stuff like that. Just like mansplaining something the black woman said just because like my friends didn't understand it or um, somebody or somebody of not a black, like somebody not black didn't understand what they were saying or something like that. And I'm here mansplaining what they're trying to say instead of letting them like Mm-hmm. ask the questions that need to be asked so they can understand these these individuals who are trying to get a point across that I shouldn't be able to get across because it's not my experience and it's not my thinking and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so people just need to make the extra effort, honestly, to understand others, um, especially Black women, because it's just like at the end of the day, they go through things that even as a Black male, there's a step further that they go through as being women and black and, you know, holding different identities and stuff that I can't pretty much even think about going through and stuff like that. So, yeah. I think, I was like, I think that can also tie into um, the whole negative notion, false conceived notion about angry black women mm. and like invalidating our feelings and things like that and not understanding them and just like, oh, she's angry because this and that like and it's like, you know, within the black community we do it ourselves too because sometimes like growing up, you know, I would have like a face and you know, and most times it's like people auto automatically assume like families assume like, oh, I'm mad or I have an attitude, but realistically I was just hurt but you know, they're so used to seeing anger and assuming that with black women we're angry that they act, I felt like sometimes they act like I couldn't have other emotions and that the only emotion I felt was mm-hmm. anger. And I feel like also, like what Malia was saying, it goes back to talking about language and like understanding, like Ryan was saying, like me being from the dirty South, you have to understand there's certain <laughs> language. <laughs> dirty, <laughs> dirty. But wait, though. Where you from, though? Right. We don't count well, that. Well, well, you're not from like Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, well, Florida. 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 We like well, we'll accept you. We'll take 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 you. Okay, I'll give an example with SZA. People always get mad because they say she doesn't enunciate, but they never understood why she wasn't enunciating because she wasn't going to speak like white people and have like King's English per se. She was talking how black people talk, you know, but they were mad because, oh, she doesn't enunciate in her songs, but they didn't understand why she wasn't enunciating, you know? And it's just like with certain language and certain cultures, you have to understand the meaning behind those words before you like, you know, like... uh, before you try to assume why somebody's using it, you know. I heard bruh. this. Hold on. Let's just like, bro. TikTok has made A B E 
popular. Ooh. It's like yes. it's like pop culture okay. now. TikTok. Like Bro. I literally like I've heard so many white students on campus say, for example, they do be doing this, and I'd be like, "What?" Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. so and so said something. I'd be like, "Uh, that's oh, not no. how. That's not like." Yeah, and just like, and then like. Ah, it, it irks my soul because I don't want to be like, I, like I don't want to be like in the, walking across the quad and be like, you can't say that, like, and it's just, it's like, right. like because it, it's not my place to say that. So, but I'm just like, if you're gonna say it, don't, don't, don't put your own parsley on it. Like, don't, 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 like, don't try to make it different. Like, baby, just accept that you got it from black people, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. You know, it always be like the white. And it's the, it's the and it's black. Let's talk about that because a lot mm. of white gay men, yeah. when when yeah. they personify, they personify themselves or they present themselves <laughs> with a black female ghetto yeah, dialect. Yes. And I'm just like, why are you why are you doing that? Is that is that what you think? Like, right. I I have not read up on this enough, but like it's just something I've noticed and like studied yeah. within my everyday life. When I come into into contact with gay men, a lot of the gay men that I met, they like. Girl, yeah, I'm just like, hold on, okay, man. Sus, you look good. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they definitely do, and it's like, okay, that's fine. You can use it, but maybe like, you're just further perpetuating this whole ghetto girl thing, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. that's not okay. And baby, be you, but don't be me. Yes, be you, and don't really detract or continue to perpetuate this negative stereotype that's associated. By it ain't even negative. Well. It ain't even negative. It's just mm-hmm. a part mm-hmm. of black culture. Like, it's not. Like, mm. it's not the fact that it's, like, negative. It's just, it makes it negative when people try to perpetuate it. Yeah. And it's just, like, you putting the stigma on it. Yeah. But, like, in a way. No, I think what's really bad, and this happens, like, not even just gay culture. But first, first of all, that happens. But then if a black person says black woman, it's like, why are you talking like that? That's not the way to talk, you know? So there's a level of hypocrisy there mm. that people don't acknowledge. And even with appropriation, like, I was thinking um uh, how people with like natural natural hair just uh just different things but one of the things i was thinking about in k-pop like that is a large part of appropriation of black culture african-american had roots in african-american pop and soul and all those other things and then there's a lot of anti-blackness in a lot of asian countries this is in k-pop where um and some of it comes from ignorance but it's also like ryan was saying camille was saying like there's a level where you have to educate yourself and want to learn it has to stem from that um and there are k-pop idols who have like worn they're in brown face but really just in black face and they thought it was somehow celebratory that's not a and that's not a positive thing and they don't people the thing with black culture and i kind of get to what uh, jj was talking about with gatekeeping i never thought about that because people will take well not take but they will use this and they a, don't know where it comes from and then b you know when people are using especially black women it's like oh that's not the way to do you're acting backwards that's not culture quote unquote that's what people say so i think that those are really really good points and something pe- we need to explore and just acknowledge like tori was saying where it comes from oh it's a drawback a little bit on what camille and ryan was saying with like making it a point to understand, you know, I'm thinking about how like you Camille brought music into it with Susan, how they were talking about her not enunciating. But we ain't hear none of them complaining about the song Panda by Designer. <laughs> where all you heard was Panda, Panda, Panda. And the majority of the song you couldn't do it. Or Lifestyle by Young Thug. Mm. We ain't hear none of them complaining about those things when it was a male. But mm. Oh, now y'all have an issue because a female artist isn't enunciating, but it's okay when you can't wow. understand every third word. 
Oh yep. yes, oh, just coming for female artists in general. Like, baby, I am honestly okay. By all means, it's great that we have celebrities, but realistically, the person that you really should be wanting to be the role model for your child is you yourself. Mm. You shouldn't be like, oh, like literally, you should want to be such a positive, have this positive image and positive example that you want your kids to look up to you and not some random celebrity because, baby, you don't know that person personally. They could have all types of skeletons in their closet and everything like that. (laughs) And also, though, on on a different note, it's like, again, they just make the music. They don't say you got to let your child listen to this, that, and the third. If you don't feel like it's appropriate, then cool. They're not streaming it for they're not making it for your kids, clearly, because their language ain't set for kids. Oh, so if you feel some type of way, <laughs> then make sure your kid's not listening to it because they ain't make it for that. Oh. <laughs> Yo, that ass, because personally, like in terms of like uh Wobbin, like as far as like the rise of like black female artists, especially like in hip hop now, like people often forget that um the majority of like the creativity as far as like music videos when it comes to like uh, promotion and all that stuff, the culture is coming from like black rappers or um, black singers and whatever may have you. And like kind of like going back to you in the point about how like pretty much like if you think of like every like personality from like a non-black LGBTQ person like is literally like ripped off from like what they think of like a black woman is, you know, like mm. it's, like literally it's like a carbon copy essentially and it's not, it's not, it's not, that's, that's like a bad carbon copy it's boxer like braids baby boxer braids <laughs> 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 like, that should be so annoying to me and i think it's also just to like, dive back into as far as music like everyone wants to like district black black women just they want all that smoke and even in the sense like remembering like young Doug was starting to come out and all that like people were like were saying like yo i don't know what the hell he's saying but like Sounds good. Right. Yeah, yeah. Y'all was like, still blasting yeah, be, Y'all be caring about mumble rap so badly, but like, yeah. like, have y'all heard like freaking some like metal rock and all that shit? They be like talking reckless and everything, but no one has to look for them. Like, I mean, me, well, that comes weird. out of team. You can't hear them because the instruments are so dang loud. <laughs> yeah, that's so loud. Like, like, what's like, your song? Um, hello, 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 hello. Oh, it's like some magic dragon. Huh? No, no, it's not about X, it's about oh. Kurt, Kurt Cobain. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I just think, remember. in general, they don't do enough with attributing a lot of things to Black women. There are so many things that we've done, we've started, we've created. And, you know, as time goes on, they so quickly want to forget that, oh, this has something to do with Black culture and things. Like, even even the vanilla ice cream we got today. Bruh. The vanilla <laughs> ice cream, baby, they literally changed the color of it all because... Oh well, they don't want to attribute anything to black people, and especially like I ain't gonna say not saying that vanilla ice cream is made by anyone black or that it's attributed to like a black woman, but it just literally it just shows like the dis- the continued discrediting of like just the race in general. Mm. Yeah. I just love black women. Yes. Like, yeah, like I just <sighs> they something. We, we are something like I just maybe it's just my lesbian coming out, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like I just, no, but we are like, oh, but like oh, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just love my black women like the like summertime fine black yes, women, ready. like like sun glowing, like yellow, like yellow, and, colors just made for us. It's just <laughs> yeah. 
Like we are some powerful beings. And when I see a powerful black, I'm just like, oh my God, like marry me. We're just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like not in a weird way. Let me put that out there. But like when I see a powerful black woman, a strong, powerful black woman, like it's just like, wow, like what? Who touched you in a way that God. made you just got exactly <laughs> like the universe, whatever you believe God, in, whatever you believe in, the universe, God, the trees, um, you know, whoever touched you, they they took their time and not not in a sexualizing way, but like in a just who you yeah. are as a person, your being, your aura, like like it's just like a, a strong black it's woman different. can make a room, it's different. It's different. and <laughs> they just hit different. Like literally. Like, I'm just hit different. That is like it's to me. It's like as much like we like veneer, and it's also from like a communal standpoint too. Like, um, because us like as a community, us as like you know a collective, like black women are in the center of it, and oftentimes um, there's a tendency to, like we said before, kind of like view like black women as like trauma dumps, and like oftentimes that like. Yeah, you feel like a sense of comfort like around, you know, just like mm-hmm. us as community or collective, but also just like having that comfort feeling of like having a black woman like actually listen to you because you know, like black women like understand not only just you know a like, black person's struggle, but also like everyone else struggle because you know black women have to go through the same thing. And but it's also like important that like we shouldn't like have like um, black women in particular as trauma dumps because that's mm-hmm. not because uh, black women they go through um the same struggles they go through like the same like mental health issues as the rest of us so i mean that's kind of um at least my thing you know and to kind of wrap everything up in terms of this episode we just need to realize how some of the little common things that we overlook for black women like you know we are at the center of a lot of things we deserve that recognition and we should continue to build each other up you know i'm loving this trend of saying oh it's this for me it's the hair for me okay i see you like that positivity we just need to continue to radiate it because black women we are powerful strong and baby you know we are definitely touched in a positive way you know, and so you guys can join us next month for our next episode, and we'll be letting you guys know what that topic is. See you guys. Yeah, Bye. Take care. Bye. Hey, love y'all.